Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Anno Domini podcast. Today's episode is all about Good Friday. It is common to wonder why the church would celebrate the sorrows of the cross, and that's exactly what we'll be discussing today. But first, that beautiful polyphonic choir you are enjoying is singing a rendition of Psalm 51, written in 1630 by an Italian composer named Gregorio Allegri, and it's titled Meseriri Mei Deus, which is my clumsy pronunciation of the Latin phrase, Have mercy on me, O God. This song was originally written to be exclusively sung in the Sistine Chapel during Holy Week only. In fact, transcribing the song was forbidden. Singing the song outside of the Sistine Chapel was forbidden. And so only those who happened to be present in the Sistine Chapel during Holy Week would ever hear this song. That all changed one day when a 14-year-old boy visiting Rome from Austria happened to attend a Wednesday night service during Holy Week and heard the song sung. He then went home, transcribed the song on paper later that night, entirely from memory. And the forbidden song was now available for the world to hear and enjoy. Oh, and the 14-year-old genius who accomplished this, his name was Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Good Friday is the time on the church calendar year when Christians remember their Lord in his sorrow. You see, Christ was deserted just hours after giving his disciples the new commandment to love one another. Remember, just a few hours before, he had washed them and taught them and fed them. And instead of loving him, their king, with their actions, they all fled, and even Peter denied even knowing him. This was a bitter time in the history of the world. As Jesus said that night, speaking to the Jews, he said, But this is your hour when darkness reigns. You see, the perfect and spotless Lamb of God would become the sin of his people. Good Friday usually involves gathering together for an evening service. Parishioners generally enter quietly and leave quietly. There is an atmosphere of sobriety and, and somberness. This isn't the service for glad-handing and swapping fishing stories with your social groups. It's a time of mourning and pondering upon the wickedness of mankind and the truly heroic nature of God's work here on earth. This day is called Good Friday for that very reason. Although mankind, left to our own devices and desires, is very bad, God sent his Son into the world to save the world. The path toward salvation had to involve our king suffering execution for crimes he didn't commit, sins he was not guilty of, and punishment he did not deserve. This is the good news, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and he died for us on Good Friday. Our biblical portion from the lectionary is found at the end of Isaiah chapter 52 
and contains all of chapter 53. So let's hear the word of God, and then let's discuss it. This is the word of the Lord. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. The word of the Lord. This is an extensive passage, and I'm only going to try and attempt to highlight a few certain parts. So we're told that the servant of the Lord shall be exalted and highly lifted up. Uh, This passage, of course, is referring to Jesus. That's obvious. But something has to happen before the Lord can be exalted and highly lifted up. In chapter 53 tells us, it says, he must first be despised and rejected by men. While he will one day be exalted, that day is coming, he is right now a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In fact, in verse 4 of chapter 53, we are promised something very special. We are promised that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is a 
promise, dear Christians. For the people of God, God has carried every grief and sorrow you've ever experienced. Jesus bore those griefs and those sorrows on the cross. And so while they might be unique to you, or they might feel like you're the only one, you might feel like you're the only one who's ever experienced this level of grief or this level of sorrow, it's important to remember that Christ hasn't just experienced something like your sorrow and grief. He's actually experienced that grief and that sorrow. And that's found in verse 4. So we need to take comfort knowing that not only have our sins been paid for by the blood of Christ, but he has also carried our grief and our sorrow for us. Also, we were there when he was crucified. We were there covenantally in Adam, watching him smitten by his father. Not smitten like in love, but like smited. When as Christians we worry about the wrath of God, let, I mean, we need to... God is a holy God, and so the wrath of God is a real thing. But when Christians worry about the wrath of God, what we're really doing is exhibiting unbelief. It, unbelief that Christ has already experienced that smiting hand of God on our behalf. He was already smitten by God so that we as his chosen people will never have to experience that wrath. In fact, we are told in verse 6 of chapter 53 that the Lord laid on Christ, that God the Father laid on Christ, the iniquity of us all. It actually pleased God to punish him. It says that. It pleased God to punish him, to bruise him. It didn't please him because of some sick, abusive personality. Of course not. It pleased him because Christ covenantally became our sin. He actually became our sin covenantally, and it pleased God's justice to pour out punishment fit for our sin, which Christ had become. This man of sorrows experienced the sorrow of abandonment, the pain of torture, and the terror of God's wrath unleashed in all its holy fury. Verse 12 says, he bore the sins of many. This is true because we are also promised that one day the world will be entirely converted to Christ and that the earth shall be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This victorious end, though, could only be accomplished by first going through monumental loss and sorrow. And that's exactly what Jesus, the man of sorrows, experienced on Good Friday. Our hymn this episode is titled Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. It was written in 1804 by Thomas Kelly. I've changed the tune only. So let's take a look at the words. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see him dying on the tree. Tis the Christ by man rejected. Yes, my soul, tis he, tis he. Tis the long-expected prophet, David's son, yet David's Lord. By his Son, God now has spoken, tis the true and faithful word. Tell me, ye who hear him groaning, was there ever grief like his? Friends through fear his cause disowning, foes insulting his distress. Many hands were raised to wound him, none would interpose to save. But the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. 
Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load, tis the word, the Lord's anointed, Son of man and Son of God. Here we have a firm foundation, here the refuge of the lost, Christ, the rock of our salvation, his the name of which we boast. Lamb of God, for sinners wounded, sacrifice to cancel guilt, none shall ever be confounded who on him their hope hath built. So verse 1 describes Christ's crucifixion and rejection, as well as correctly identifies him as the long-awaited prophet from the line of David, but also the Lord of David. Psalm 2, the Lord said unto my Lord. We then sing that God is now speaking to us through the true and faithful word, who is Christ. Verse 2 asks the question, Was there ever grief like the groaning grief that Christ experienced? His friends leave him, and they leave his cause. His foes insult him and raise their hands to wound him, and not a single person would put a stop to this. And through all of this, the greatest pain he experienced greater than the, than the abandonment, greater than the loss of his friends, greater than even being put on trial and falsely convicted of something he never did. The greatest pain he experienced was that of the stroke of justice that came from his father. Verse 3 puts a serious question to our hearts. All of us who don't think that our sin is a big deal, okay, everybody who thinks your sin's not a big deal, Okay, look at Christ suffering the wrath of God and realize that what he is suffering is for your sin. You're a child of God. That means he bore your sins. He died for your sins. He is the one, the word, who is the sacrifice and bears the weight of our sin. Finally, verse 4 speaks to our hope in Christ. He is our firm foundation. And for those who are lost, our refuge. He is the rock of our salvation. And if we boast in anything, we boast in him, the Lamb of God who was wounded for his people and took away their guilt and their shame, our guilt and our shame. And then the song ends with the following promise, none shall ever be confounded who on him their hope have built. In other words, we can build our lives on the rock of Christ and we shall never be let down. As I leave you on this Good Friday, remember that Easter is coming. God's mercies are new every morning. That's an Old Testament promise. But here, in the New Covenant, that Old Testament promise, like everything else, is made new again by Christ. And God's mercies being new every morning began again on that Easter morning. And on that Easter morning, the world has never been the same. So we'll see you on Sunday, the day the new creation was born. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted, see him dying on the tree. Tis the Christ by man rejected, yes, my soul, tis he, tis he. Tis the long-expected prophet, 
David's son, yet David's Lord By his son God now has spoken Tis a true and faithful Tell me who hid him groaning Was there ever grief like his? Friends who fear his cause disowning Foes insulting his distress Many hands were raised to wound him None would interpose to save but the deepest stroke that pierced him Was the stroke that justice gave Ye who think of sin but lightly Nor suppose the evil great You may view its nature rightly Hear its guilt may Mark the sacrifice appointed See who bears the awful load Tis the word the Lord's anointed Son of man yet son of God Here we have a firm foundation of our salvation is the name of which we boast Lamb of God for sinners wounded sacrifice to cancel guilt none shall ever be confounded who on him their hope have built none shall ever